0: Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Hi again titanium Nerds and welcome back to the next installment of the Dental Implant Podcast. So um, this is something I've been meaning to do for a while. This is something a few of you have asked me to do. So let's get to it, shall we? Today we are going to be talking about pterygoid implants. For those of you who know what I do, it's pretty much a daily thing for us. We do it every single day um, and they're great um so let's get into it so as you know from glancing down here this is where my notes are to make sure i'm trying to give you as much information as possible okay so uh, there's a few things that you need to know about pterygoid implants um because uh, you'll see they're starting to become more popular you're seeing a lot of people doing them um in some cases they're straightforward in other cases they really aren't straightforward so we're just going to go over so, some of the things that you need to be looking out for when you're considering it, adding it to your armamentarium okay so first thing is uh, you know um when you're reviewing your cbct scan what's your target area size you know is if you're if you want to pinpoint an implant in a position, how big is that target area? You have some patients with a small target area. They are much more difficult to deal with. And you have other patients with a very large target area. Bearing in mind that this is a blind procedure, you really need to have that information before you go in. Um, The next thing we probably want to talk about is what's the quality of the bone in the area. Um, We know that the, trabecular bone is really quite poor. In fact, sometimes what happens is when you are placing a pterygoid implant, once you've raised your flap back there, the bone there can be, actually be really quite fatty and really, really poor. And even touching it with a suction, half that trabecular bone is going to disappear. And a lot of the other times when you're placing even your pilot burr onto the target area. You don't even need to drill. You just push and you you will just push straight through that trabecular bone, which which happens really quite often. You do get some patients where the pterygoid plates are there, but they're very, very weak. You can't really feel them. Those cases end up being much more difficult to do. So let me ask this in, in another fashion. If you have a wide target area, very large target area, and you've got absolutely rock solid bone there, that's a much easier case to perform a pterygoid implant than if you have a small target area, particularly a small target area with very poor quality bone. You do get some cortical plates where you know, you're know, you looking at them, you're going to place it, and it feels like D3 bone, and getting appropriate primary stability is really quite difficult in those cases. With pterygoid implants, you need to be looking at a really... Solid engagement, and uh, for that, you're probably looking 50 to 80 Newton centimeters, which you can really quite often achieve, okay? So what's the next thing that we need to take into consideration? Well, it's how far the sinus slopes backwards in that area. Because you've got some patients where you can sneak in your implant behind the sinus and then there's other uh, cases where you have to go trans sinus and you've got to do a small lift all the way back there. As you can imagine, doing a small lift all the way back at the tuberosity is not necessarily the easiest of things to do. So you do need to take that into consideration as well as that. You'll get quite a lot of patients where they have had impacted uh, wisdom teeth in the area. What I would say with regards to impacted wisdom teeth is, in one context, it makes it easier because you remove the wisdom tooth. You can literally see the target area. It's the one time you can actually see the target area. The issue that you then have is there is no bone, no trabecular bone as a reference uh, around the area. And quite often you will go in at an incorrect angle and cause all sorts of havoc with your um, prosthetics further down the line. So you need to take into consideration the target area size, the quality of the bone, where the sinus is in relation to where your trajectory is and whether there's any teeth in the way there, okay? A big mistake a lot of people make is they think pterygoid implants are basically an all on four with just some pterygoids putting out the back. That's really not the case at all. With pterygoid implants, what you really need to do is ideally you want to place those first because the angulation that they go in then starts to dictate your, the angulation of your anterior implants. Otherwise, you'll have implants in place, you'll end up creating a prosthesis which you either can't get down uh, or you can get down, but it's not passive and you're going to cause all sorts of other issues. So it's really not a case of uh, it's, it's an all on four, just with more pterygoids at the back. And what happens is when you increase that AP spread, the accuracy of your implant placement needs to go up as well, because the case all of a sudden starts to become less forgiving. Okay, so you really need to uh, uh, bear that in mind. And sometimes you've got to modify your pterygoid implant placement based upon the bony envelope at the front to make sure that it all fits together really quite nicely. Okay, so it's not just all on four with with a couple of implants putting them back. Uh, uh, If you if you consider it like that is you may get the temporary prosthesis down, but then you may get, uh, as I said, you may get your definitive prosthesis back. And because it's milled on a bar, you can't get it down or it's impassive or something else goes on. So you really need to be aware of that as well. Okay, it is a blind procedure. You cannot see what you are doing is all done by feel okay that's really important to take into consideration when you're planning these so when i'm raising my flap for pterygoids i want to raise the flap so i expose the uh, all of the tuberosity i expose the pyramid process and i generally raise my flap quite high into the palate as well because once you've done this you need to thin out the soft tissue and if you hit the greater uh, uh, greater palatine artery which can happen you then don't want to be faffing around trying to raise the flap further so you can see where the bleeding's coming from you need it raised high enough so that you can immediately get in there and tie off the artery. So you really need to bear that into consideration. So what happens is once you've got your angulation correct and you place your pilot drill into the position that you want is in, in the vast majority of cases, I'd say about 85% of cases, you don't need to press the foot switch on your motor. You can push and you want to feel where that, but touches the pterygoid plate that's how you plan your angulation you need to have the correct references you need to be in the correct position and at the correct angulation because as I said if the angulation is correct it's going to throw everything out as well okay then what you do is when you have found that pterygoid plate you just Touch the foot switch just so you perforate through. It's just a quick pop through. Okay, I then chase that up with a uh, uh, with a slightly larger diameter bar, and that's the preparation done. When I place the implant, what's important to understand is the design of the implant. Southern have got a soft bone implant, which is um, absolutely amazing in in this situation. Um, the initial uh, designs. Uh, were done by Rudy Mukaji, And then we've been alpha testing it here. And we've gone through a number of iterations. And what's really nice about it is it's got this really nice bite to it. It's got this really nice uh, thread. And you need to understand what it feels like as it's going in. Um, now, the number of issues that you can have when you're actually placing the pterygoid implant is if you're between the pterygoid plates, you can actually be into muscle, cause bleeding and end up causing trismus as well. And then you need to remove the implant and that is much, much harder to deal with. So you need to bear that in mind. So again, this is going back to what I said a few minutes ago. If you've got a small target area, you've got one shot at getting it. You've got one shot because any more than that is you're going to absolutely wreck the site. And then it's, it's not possible to place the implant at that point. So, the other nice thing about the Southern Soft Bone implant uh, that we use with pterygoids is it's got a machined uh, neck as well, because quite often what will happen is that trabecular bone in the area will will disappear. And if you've got machined neck, it's much more forgiving. Um, now, a lot of people turn around and say to me, Pav, you know, why bother with pterygoid implants? You know, is how a patient's supposed to clean back there? And the honest answer to that is, is, is the tissue back there is so fibrous that we rarely, rarely, rarely see problems with uh, pterygoid implants in terms of periimplantitis. I have seen some patients, and um, very much, it's, it, it, quite often, it's a bar connector back there. It's, you're not going to put teeth all the way back there. But you do get the odd patient who comes in where they can't clean because they've developed arthritis or something. And out of all the implants, they're the ones that have the fewest issues because of the quality of the soft tissue. The biggest problem that I see with pterygoid implants is when... You've missed the target site or the angulation's incorrect. That's when you tend to have significant issues. So, when you miss the target site, you tend to have the implants not take, failure to integrate. And um, when you're at the wrong angulation, they can end up unusable or your, your other implants end up being unusable. So, this is why I keep referring back to it's not as simple as all on four with pterygoids at the back. It is a different mindset. I said, we've discussed it's a blind procedure, it's done by field. And this is where mentoring really comes into its own is it's easy to do it on a model. It's relatively easy to do it on on a cadaver. But when every single patient is different and you're going in at different angulations and quite often when you're doing it is you're closing your eyes, you are feeling for that plate. And if you've got a small target area with very soft bone and you're constantly fishing for that plate, you can end up going through it several times and completely wrecking the site and then not be able to get an implant into there at all so it's very much done by feel you need to know what it feels like and not only do you need to know when you what it feels like the osteotomy is done correctly you also need to feel what it's like when the you think you're in the right place you start the osteomy and you're not in the right place so it's, it's done by feel whether that's correct or incorrect it's still done by feel okay um we've covered implant design you really need to understand the implants i wouldn't want a very steep internal connection with this um so a, a true morse tape you're really going to struggle purely because you're going to struggle to get the carrier on and off at the back there you need something that's that, that's that's much easier uh, uh, to put on in, ter- in terms of abutments okay so with regards to flap elevation, you really need to open up the flap. Well, as I've mentioned before, if you haven't got the access towards the back, how can you do things by feel if, if, if you're making it even harder for yourself, right? So if you're trying to find your anatomical landmarks and you go, okay, in relation to this, based upon what I've seen on the CBTT, I wanna be here, I wanna be at this angulation. If you can't see all that anatomy, you're not only doing it blind, you're doing it double blind almost because you haven't got any reference anatomy at all, okay? Um, we've already covered soft tissue thickness at the back, but sometimes what happens is the soft tissue is almost too thick, and that can cause a problem if you've got really thick fibrous tissue towards the back, and uh, let's let's say it's seven, eight, nine, ten 10 millimeters thick, which can happen in the tuberosity area, can happen elsewhere as well, um, and even if it's elsewhere is if you raise a flap do your alveoplasty place the implants and then place the soft tissue down if you've got eight millimeters of soft tissue you have just created yourself a pseudo pocket and what we know about deep pseudo pockets is that the um, biofilm gets much more aggressive but it becomes more anaerobic around the neck of the implant so part of doing full arch implant work is knowing when and how to thin out that soft tissue so that soft tissue wants to be about two and a half millimeters thick so sometimes you've got to remove six seven millimeters thickness of soft tissue to get your soft tissue correct um and not only to have, eliminate any pseudo pockets, but to ensure that you have not just tuned into your prosthetic space. So a lot of people aren't aware of this, is the alveoplasty is important, but the mucoplasty is just as important as well. You need to take that all into consideration, okay? Um, the other thing that uh, uh, that pterygoid implants allow us to do is it allows us to uh, avoid zygomatics in very many cases. I see a lot of patients where they've come in and they've said, um, you know, I've told that I need zygomatic implants, I'll just come for a second opinion. And you're looking at the case and you're thinking to yourself, actually, if the pterygoid wasn't there, 100% this would be a zygomatic case. Um, but once you add the pterygoid at the back, you can alter the angulation of your premolar implant slightly, and then you can do the case without having to go to go to zygomatics. Why is that important? It, well, it's really important because A, it's in the best interest of the patient because it gives them a crack at zygomatics in the future. So if what we do, let's say it lasts them 10, 12 years, when in 10, 12 years time, they've then got to have a crack at the zygomatics. If you do the zygomatic implant straight away, and if they last 10, 12 years, sometimes you snook it. That's it. You've put yourself into a corner so it is really really important that you understand that um, uh, this has a, f- a phenomenal role in actually simplifying the patient treatment yeah. and giving them options for the future as well but the key is is you understand that it's different to all and floor. you understand that it's a completely blind procedure and it's done by feel and as such you need solid mentoring and you need to know when you're at your depth not all pterygoids are the same just as all zygomatics are the same just like just like all conventional implants aren't the same you get some conventional implants where there's so much bone there's so much good quality and volume of bone that you know it's going to be a slam dunk and then you've got others where it's you're looking at it going i can get an implant in but you know how am i going to grab terry are no different okay so you really need to uh, need to bear that in mind okay so let's run over everything that we've de- discussed today. What I'm doing is I'm deliberately trying to keep the uh, the podcast a little bit shorter because I know that uh, people quite often listening to it in the car. And, you know, I, I know that you don't want to listen to me ramble on for an hour or whatever, and you know, get those occasional ones. So I'm going to try to keep it simple for you, okay? So let me um, uh, uh, run through what we've discussed. Target area size. Um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention is... So let's start with this, okay? Uh, Another question that you need to ask is, does the case hinge around a pterygoid implant? Because if you're doing a pterygoid implant, and without it, you're going to be in the case or in the realm of zygomatics or sinus lifting or something along those lines, you then need to be even more accurate with your placement and to make sure that you don't have any problems. And then the other question is, is should you do any other type of, other type of prep work just in case you have problems with the pterygoid? And that's a different conversation that you have with patients as well. You turn around and say to them that, you know what, <clears throat> in this in this situation, um, uh, you know it's uh, we're going to try, if it doesn't work, we're gonna to need to do it X, Y, Z instead. And there are others where you look at it going, mm, you know what, pterygoid is nice, but without it, we're still not gonna have a problem. So you need to bear that in mind as well, okay? So let's run through things. So the first one is, does your case hinge around it being a pterygoid implant? Uh, second one is, what's the target area size? Then it's, what's the quality of the area? What's the anatomy in the area? Is your sinus in the way? Do you have impacted teeth in the way? Are you planning on going trans sinus? Um, And remember that is a completely brine procedure. You do need a flap open wide enough and you need to be aware that the pterygoid angulation will quite often um, influence your anterior angulation as well. It is not all on four plus pterygoids, not that okay uh, it's very much done by feel whether that's feeling I'm in the right position or whether it's feeling i'm in the wrong position or whether it's i'm drilling in the right position or i'm drilling in the wrong position because you can the implants can kick out really quite easily if you're in the wrong position you can do your osteotomy, you can start to place it and the implant will go wandering and come come out at a really weird angle so this is why experience is really critically important okay what's the soft tissue thickness in the area uh, do, you, do you need to thin it out are there any other Uh, considerations that you need to take into mind. Uh, You also need to consider the design of the implant and the internal connection or external external connection, whatever it is that you're using. You, You need to think to yourself is this suitable for a pterygoid? Because if it's not and you use it and you run into problems, it's then going to be a real nightmare to try to sort it out. So there we go folks. That was just a very brief rundown of pterygoid implants. I hope that has been useful for you. Until next time, Titani Nerds, if you've got any questions or you want me to cover anything else, please let me know. I will see you all guys later.